It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Stephen Means. It was a newsy Thursday in the Big Ten, obviously, with the announcement of the new TV deal. I hope you listened to Thursday's podcast because Doug and I talked about that a little bit. And he did some of his own stuff, I think, at the end of that. I haven't actually listened to it yet because it's been a busy day. Because in addition to that, we were talking to quarterbacks at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So Doug will be back on the Monday pod for reels. And because of the Monday pod, which is going to be our Heisman Trophy prediction pod, where I think we're going to talk about C.J. Stroud. I think his name will come up in passing and in passing. And we just did a big one Monday where we predicted his uh, season stats and everything. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a quicker pod as we we hit on all three of these quarterbacks that we were able to talk to today. C.J. Stroud, Comcord, Devin Brown. But let's talk about C.J. Stroud right off the top. And this quote that I thought got the most juice going of the day, Stephen. In fact, you wrote about it a little bit, I think, for us at Cleveland.com. I feel the best I've ever felt in my life, Stroud said. I hit my PR in squat. I PR'd in bench. In my running, I forget the mileage I hit, but I PR'd in that. I'm the fastest I've been since I've been alive. And here we are back talking about whether or not CJ Stroud is going to run the ball more in 2022. I mean, first and foremost, him saying he's the fastest he's ever been since he's been alive, his 40 time could have been five seconds, and now he's a 4-8 guy. That's technically the fastest he's ever been in his life. It's just not that fast. Now, I think it's faster than that. I think it's around four, seven, something like that. But here we are again. And the, the only conversation with CJ Stroud is, is he going to run the ball? And the way he's talked, whether it was on Thursday when we talked to guys or at Big Ten Media Days or in the spring, he can run the ball. I mean, the first time the world got introduced to him, it was a 48-yard touchdown run against Michigan State, and then he has, like, not run again. He's not quite Dwayne Haskins level with the unathleticism from that standpoint. But part of this is this offense doesn't need him to run because guys are open a lot. But then also he just makes reads quickly, and there haven't necessarily been a lot of situations where he's had to run. And so I get it. It sounds cool, but I'm – not holding my breath for the day that there's like five or six designed runs for CJ Stroud in this offense. Cause that's not how that's not the CJ Stroud, Ohio state football offense. That was a Justin Fields offense. Yeah. I don't know that anyone is really, even those who think they'd like to see him run the ball more. It's not that he needs to run the uh, urban Meyer offense with a lot of quarterback runs or even what you're talking about with Justin Fields. It it's, it's always just been more. Does he, tuck it and run enough does would would Ohio State be better off if he were to 
instead of just throwing the ball away, try to scramble. And does he do that enough? And, you know, his longest run in 2021 was 15 yards, Mm -hmm. but the most yards he had in any game was 13, which tells you something about what usually happens when CJ Stroud is running the ball. And again, it's not because he's like slow. You know, Corey Dennis was trying to defend him and talk about, hey, you know, if he's he's actually fast and athletic and his, you know, remember that freshman year touchdown run he had against Michigan State? That was his first touchdown. And there's there's something to be said for all those things. It's not like he is plotting out there. It's all just a matter of at the point of decision, what decision should he be making? And I think if he if Ryan Day wanted him to run more, I think he would run more. He was well protected last year as well. So it's not like he was on outside of the, you know, playing the number two pick in the NFL draft, who was already kind of flashing for the Detroit Lions. He was only sacked nine times in the other, you know, what? They played 11 and two. He missed one game. I'm not getting mad. The other 11 games he played, he was only sacked nine times. So it's not like he was under directs. He was well protected. I guess I'm just here with it at this point. I get it. I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with it. I'm just somebody show me five clips of when CJ Stroud should have ran and he didn't. And let me know if that's the reason why Ohio State didn't win a game. Because I don't see it. It's he, he. As a matter of fact, he has some moments when he did what really you want your quarterback to be able to do by time, whether it was into Rutgers, where he basically like squatted down to get away from the defender. And then he found Chris Olave, you know, who took it in for a touchdown. He's had some other moments where he had the one against Oregon where he get, wouldn't got the first down, but then it got taken off the board because of a holding penalty. The touchdown against Michigan, then it gets taken off the board because of a holding penalty. So it's like, I, 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 um, I just I'm, I just have I don't want to say I have no tolerance for it. I just want somebody to give me a list of plays where he should have run and he didn't, because if not, then you're just complaining about him running because he's not running because you just want to at this point. Well, I do think it is worth asking and we'll see how this plays out. It, it's going to be based on the dynamic of this team. I yeah. think that's the only thing that's important. Last year's team was last year's team. And you're right that Olave Wilson and Smith and Jigba do such a good job of getting open. But. Now you've got one of those guys left, and we think the young guys are pretty good too, but they may not be as good as third and fourth year guys at getting open. So that is going to introduce a new dynamic into this, and so it's possible that early in the season, a guy who was open last year won't be open, and when he gets to that second, third read and the pocket closes, now he does have to run in a a situation where he didn't last year, and I don't think that's going to necessarily be a progression in his game. I think it's just going to be the dynamic that is given to him by how a, a game plays out. I agree, I agree with that. That's how they keep, you know, you know, kind of saying it. it's like I'm going to do what the game calls me to do. If the game calls me to run, I'm going to run. If it doesn't, then I'm not going to I'm not going to run. And that that's but that's normal, though. Your first year starting quarterback, it's on the weapons. And it was very much on the weapons to get as open as possible for your young quarterback, second year starting quarterback. It's on the quarterback to kind of make his weapons look good. And you're right they're especially week one. Even with what uh, I'm driving the bus from Marvin Harrison Jr. and you think of Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming as former five stars could be all this stuff. Um, we haven't really seen it against opponent who wasn't running out running backs as their cornerback. So, you know, are there going to be some times in that Notre Dame game where because those guys are still young and a team is going to game plan as much as possible for Jackson Smith the Jigba, where he's going to have to take off and you know keep a drive open, keep a drive going a lot longer than Notre Dame would like it to go. So I agree with that. That it's it's all about what the game is going to dictate for it, and that Notre Dame game I think will be a good, I guess, 
way to figure out how much CJ Stroud will actually have to run this year because it's it's less of a can CJ Stroud run question and it's more of a can these wide receivers get us open as we've seen the last two years. I asked CJ Stroud about going up against this Jim Knowles defense because everything we've heard is about how multiple it is. We're hearing this from the other offensive players that we've talked to over the course of camp. The, the, the multiple looks that you get, that it can be a little bit tricky to read, that you know they try to confuse you and they're getting some of that because that's what they're going to give to opponents when it gets into the season. And I don't think he was bragging. I think he, he, he answered one question about it and then got another question, I think, and then said something along the lines of, you know, it was kind of a bigger problem in the spring, but now he's sort of adjusted to it. And it, in general, that was what he was sort of putting out in front as maybe the biggest growth in his game from last year to this year, which is just improving on those on on those reads and making his progressions and becoming a more efficient pocket passer than he already was. I feel like we can take that as a compliment for the defense, though, because, I mean, we all think C.J. Stroud's best trade is his mind. And when we're asking him all this stuff about the defense and whether it's confusing him and making him wait a half a second, it's like, yeah, it was making him do that in the spring when he was just seeing it for the first time. He got 15 practices with it in the spring and what they're 10 practices into fall camp. If his mind is as special as we think it is, 25 practices should be enough to figure out what's going on out there. But if it was fooling him the first time he saw it, then it should be able to fool other quarterbacks when they're going to, when their first time seeing it is going to be on a Saturday and they're not going to get 24 other times to try to figure it out after that day. So, but yes, it's just, it's a testament to CJ and what is his best trait continuing to develop as a quarterback. But then also I, I think this is another, we're trying to figure out if this defense is good or not. I think, you know, this that's another checkpoint of yes, but with a question mark by it until we actually see it. TJ Stroud is a captain this year. He was not a captain last year because he was not even a starting quarterback, maybe at the time <laughs> they voted for captains. I can't remember exactly how that, that timeline synced up last summer. But it, it's weird to think that, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, a year and a, and a couple of weeks at this time last year. And he was still, you know, hadn't been named the starter. I mean, we all knew he was the front runner and Mm -hmm. that it was kind of his job to for somebody to unseat him from. But it wasn't officially named the the starter until preseason camp had been underway for a little bit. And he even then, though, you got the sense that, you know, some of those older receivers that we were talking about. I know Garrett Wilson had always spoken up in defense of him, Chris Olave had spoken up and, and said some things about, you know, uh, what was coming for him. And you could tell that there was buy-in on this roster to him as a quarterback. And I don't think there would have been that buy-in if there wasn't something beyond just the physical that they were buying into. And I think I, all I'm saying is I think we're seeing now the extension of some of those compliments that he was getting from older players a year ago, I think are one of the reasons why he's a captain now. It's it's interesting with quarterback because being a captain kind of comes with the territory with how you have to move. Even when you're not the starter, you almost have to start laying the groundwork for that from the moment you get on campus. And whether you're right, whether it was Garrett or Chris Olave or the guys in his own recruiting class or even him talking about it, it seemed like the leadership element of this. I mean, he said himself, I don't have a problem talking, which he does not have a problem talking at all. He'll sit up there all day with us. It's 
that part of it he kind of established from the moment he got here but it was only a matter of like you only listen to a guy so much when he's not actually playing but you keep it in mind for a guy who's a quarterback who was eventually going to be in a fight to be the starting quarterback and now that he's he's been had the locker room now he's actually played and so like the public is behind him as well now we're just seeing the full package of the, of what it means to be a starting quarterback at Ohio State but yeah i i the the battle to be a starting quarterback in college starts the moment you you jump on campus and it's not necessarily always what you're doing on the field it kind of starts with what you're doing behind the scenes because typically you're coming into a position where you're not battling to be the starter in year one anyway. There are some positions on the field where if a guy just wasn't feeling it as far as being a captain, didn't want that central role, didn't want that responsibility, I don't think it would necessarily make him a bad teammate or a bad Mm -hmm. player. I think it would just be you could have that personality. I'm just going to be a defensive tackle, and I'm going to go smash people. And then I'm going to go home. And that might be enough is not enough at quarterback. If you're a second year quarterback and you weren't named a captain, there would have been something weird, kind of something wrong. And Mm -hmm. uh, but that wasn't going to be a situation with Stroud, because, as I said, I think he has demonstrated really since he got here that uh, guys buy into him. They buy into his personality. They buy into the leadership. And I think it is important to have that sort of presence on the field this year. And it's it's just another part of his uh, his growth. We talked about it a lot with Justin Fields going into his second year as a starter, that he was also named a captain mm-hmm. and that it. But with 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 Justin, it was just such a different vibe because he didn't come here with a recruiting class. He came in on top of a recruiting class and kind mm-hmm. of as an extra guy added on a transfer and you have to win people over in a different way there. Whereas CJ, I think probably got to do it a little bit more organically. Justin's was very businesslike. And I think because of what was going on in the real world, he kind of became more of a Buckeye and less of like this mercenary quarterback who Ryan, they had to go get, well, yeah, I think organic is the right word with, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's way of progressing into face of the program, leader of the team, is the way this is supposed to go. While with Justin Fields, just because of circumstance, it's like that's almost an emergency situation that you don't want to be in, even if it works out that way. We're taking a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the other two quarterbacks on this roster. We'll close it with Devin Brown in the third segment. We're going to talk about the guy who was ostensibly competing with. CJ Stroud a year and some change ago at this time. And that is Common Accord after the break here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
614-350-3315 is the number for the text if you want to sign up. We're getting close, obviously, to the start of the season. We always say, you know, if you want to sign up near the start of the season and get like that first week and into the first week after the first game and see what kind of intel we're sending out before and after, it just gives you a good free idea. It's a free two-week trial and then $3.99 a month after that, but you get a taste. Get a little sample. It's a little. It's a little. It's like a little Costco station. You get your whatever they've got. The mozzarella sticks, or uh, they have those again now. Though they have the, the the free sample stations are back at Costco, which I didn't know until the last time I went there. But they've been. They, it was one of the COVID casualties, and now they're back. Nature is healing slowly Nature but surely. <laughs> Nature is healing, and we this two week free trial is like the little Costco station of the Ohio state sports beat. So I I don't know. I'd try it. I think you should try it. And, and like I said, we're coming up on the start of the year. And if you time it right, you can get a good taste before and after that first game and see if you want to stick with us three 99 a month. You don't, you don't have a lot to lose today. We were sending a lot of Intel from what Gene Smith had to say about the big 10 TV deal. This is Thursday. I'm talking about, we sent a lot of stuff that the quarterbacks had to say and Corey Dennis had to say, and, we were talking to Com Cord about what he is seeing in his second year. You know, I he got a lot of questions also about last year and like because this is something we do with guys. It's like you know we want to know what's going on now, but now that you're a year removed from last year, what was that really like? And what's your perspective? And what will you maybe open up about? And I think it was tougher on him than he ever probably let on, and maybe that we sometimes gave him credit for just having to play. Coming in, having to play catch up. You were talking about this uh, in another conversation we had. Like you come in, you're already behind. You know you're behind. You have to play catch up, and you just have no room for error. Everything you mm-hmm. do wrong is like almost twice as wrong. And in retrospect, we look at it and we're like, well, of course he didn't beat out C.J. Stroud. Like C.J. Stroud's just like really good and had a year head start on him. A year physically, a year intellectually within the offense. Like there was everything was kind of against Comacord, but. He also seems to have taken, I think, the right mindset about all this. Like he he kind of looks up to CJ Stroud and the way he talks about him and says, I'm not trying to be CJ Stroud. I've got to be ready at a moment's notice, but I may never be needed. And I've also got to be ready for next year. Yeah, I think we talked about it in that that you know concept though of Kyle McCord's really talented, but he can't couldn't be just talented enough to pull even. He was going to have to be talented enough to not only pull even, but eventually surpass those guys. While those guys, they could, he could pull even with those guys in the very next practice, whether it was CJ Stroud or Jack Miller, whoever was in the lead, could just take the lead right back the very next practice. So I I think we talked about it in the right context. It's just he couldn't think about it that way. He knew what he was walking into. I remember talking to him during the recruiting process, and he knew what he was walking into and the idea that this is going to be a three man battle. And there's an opportunity here. I might be a three-year starting quarterback here, or I could be in a position like Dwayne Haskins or Mac Jones was where I'm a one-year starter, but either way, I'm a first-round draft pick. So the ceiling for what Kyle McCord is is still out there. He even got asked about Mac Jones and that concept. But, yeah, it was a different mindset that he had to have last year. He couldn't be so focused on the development and the stuff that actually matters. He had to focus on competing with the other two guys in his room. 
He didn't have to do that this year because QB one is clear. QB two is clear and QB three, which we'll talk about in the next segment is, is clear as well. Everybody knows their role. So this year it almost feels like all three quarterbacks are more focused more on the development path than they are about competing with each other and more worried as Corey Dennis said, they're worried, they're competing with themselves. No one's competing with the guy next to you. That'll happen again next spring. But at least for this year, Kyle McCord doesn't have to think about, Oh man, I messed up and CJ Shaw was awesome. So I need to come back with something even better. You know, I know Ryan day last year didn't want them focusing on that person, the person competition, but uh, what are you going to do? I mean, it's even if none of us yahoos existed and weren't writing posts about it, it was it's in, it's there. It's like, you know, you, they only get to be one starting quarterback and you want it to be you and you can't just ignore it. I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's human. Uh, These guys are not robots. Uh, If they were, Doug would never go to availability. But I think this season is going to maybe give him some clarity and maybe allow him to focus on this the right way. And like I have all along, because we have talked about this, the, the situation he's in for a while, and especially we talked about it as related to Quinn Ewers. He was really pinched there for a minute because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was – everything was in front of him for next for 2023 to be this like coming out party for him and a chance for him to be now as a true like veteran quarterback. You'll be a third year at that point. You have at least one game of starting experience. You don't know how much more experience he can get in his second year, but there should be some, he's going to have some experience and probably be pretty comfortable taking over that team in his third year. But as far as like making a decision for your future, you had this, the Quinn Ewers like, specter hanging over your shoulder and then now all of that is is out of the way it, it's very clear like you said there's a there's a qb1 he is the qb2 uh there was a question that Corey dennis got today about the competition between mccord and brown and he kind of very quickly pushed that aside it wasn't i guess necessarily that he was saying that there's no way that devin brown could pull ahead or anything it was just that that's not how they look at it right now and i don't think mm-hmm. anything we've seen in the preseason makes us think that it's like a competition for snaps there or a competition for who would be the two but i just say it's i i feel like mccord is in a really interesting position now because there is a lot of clarity it's probably a much more um a much easier mental exercise for him to show up to practice each day and know have some confidence in himself but know that all he has to do that day is just be better than he was at the start of the day and that's all that matters because it's all it's all still a a longer term competition that you're against yourself that you're focusing on quarterback's a weird position because you're you're not really teammates with the guys you're in the room with because like i want you to do well but not I don't want whatever your best is to be better than my best is because that means I'm not playing but I think it was a combination of Different type of year this year, different type of focus. But then also, even if he felt like he should have won the job last year over CJ and maybe still felt that way going into the Akron game, it just like there were some other people who were probably calling for Kyle McCord. To, he didn't light it up. He didn't go out there and blow it, blow everybody away and make this interesting. And there is some clarity is a really good word there, but it's also like, you know, reality can hit you a little bit. One one of the quotes I, I think was most interesting was like when he was talking about how you go from being the man in high school and being the best on your team. And, and then it's a real humbling experience when you get here. I think that Akron game was a humbling experience because that wasn't a power five team. He was struggling against. That's a 
uh, one of the worst MAC teams in that conference. And he was struggling a little bit. It wasn't that easy. And even in the Michigan State game, he didn't look good all the time when he got out there. And so I think that combination of one, that pressure and weight of, I got to go out here and shine because I got to catch up with these guys and potentially beat those guys. But then also realizing this is not going to be an overnight thing. He's, he's even talking in a way that doesn't seem combative. While last year, when we got them in the fall, right before we, you know, right before fall camp started, it seemed like his demeanor was like, I'm in here to compete and win a job. And that's not necessarily the case right now. And that's not, we're not saying that like he's not competitive or anything like that. We're just saying that it, it's a different vibe and a different mentality this year from Kyle McCord because it can be. Well, yeah. And again, there just is no competition for that first spot. So it, yep. it's just a different way of looking at things. But I think he still feels the sense of urgency. He knows that mm-hmm. this is, I mean, they've seen it in the past week in their own program with Evan Pryor. They've seen it in the past with other guys. Like you're always one turn away from now you're in the game and now you're the guy. He saw it mm-hmm. himself last year when Stroud couldn't play against Akron or where where at least where they felt like they needed to give him the week off, however you want to look at it. So I, I, he also talked about that today, too, that like knowing that he, you have to prepare as if you are the starter, even though you know you're not the starter. You know C.J. Stroud's a starter. He has to prepare every week, and he's preparing right now as if he has to start the first game because – you never know if you will. And uh, he, he had some good responses today about um, the, the, the one week that you decide to not take it seriously. Now that's the week you have to go in and everybody's screwed. I think he actually used the word screwed. So um, Corey Dennis was asked about his progress. He said uh, that the big jump is uh, it was I'm trying to get the exact quote. It's like not not the what, but the why we're doing it. Yeah, that now and I think and Comic Core talked about this a little bit, too, as long like with the game slowing down. We're going to talk about that a lot more with Devin Brown, but that you start to, OK, I I did what you told me to do. But now, and additionally, I understand why I was supposed to do that. And that's, that may sound like an easy thing, but it every quarterback that we talk to, that sounds like a big jump where you start you where you now you you become a little bit just more um embedded intellectually I can't, I've used that word twice now as it relates to quarterbacks your your brain is a little bit more like it, all of it's flowing through your head a little bit more more cleanly than it was when you know the why you it makes better decision making because I think when you don't right. know the why sometimes you'll allow whatever your natural talent to take over in positions where it shouldn't and that's when you get in the trouble. Like Kyle McCord is going to try to throw it in the windows that aren't there. He's going to try to go for the deep ball. He's going to, he even said that it's the, when it's second and 12, you don't feel like you have to get all of it back in one play. You can get half and just make it manageable for third down. When you're young and you've got a strong arm, it's second and 12. I'm going for the 20 yard, you know, deep ball just because I'm getting it all back. And I'm going for the big play. But when you now know why, you know, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson are calling this play at this point, and this quarter and this down with this distance, it, it, it that's how you become a smarter quarterback because then somebody just you know, saying, Hey, we're going to run this play where you're going to go with the biggest, the biggest deep ball you can throw. So I think that, that that's an, that's an interesting progression for him because there is a bit of a gunslinger mentality with him that necessarily wasn't there with CJ Stroud from day one. And Justin Fields had to learn it too, which is why in 2019, Ryan Day's favorite thing to say was I loved when Justin Fields threw the ball away. And when you know the why, then it makes it easier for you to make the right decision when you're shown something that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Again, that's all just part of the progression towards through through what is a really difficult position. 
Um, you know, McCord was talking about that he thought the biggest jump when he came into Ohio State, he thought the biggest jump was going to be the freshman spring to the freshman fall because you're just it's like the, you know, the ice water bath or whatever that you take, you're just jumping in and it's a shock to the system a little bit in the spring, how fast things are, how physical things are. And then you acclimate and by the fall, it would, it would seem more normal. But he said that the actual huge jump was from the end of the first year to year two, or, or just that, that the, the, the jump between year one and year two, that he was surprised how much he learned. And then he said he was at a camp that Braxton Miller was running and Miller said he said that to Braxton and Miller said, oh, no, just wait, like the jump from year two to year three. That's the huge jump. And it's the one it, it's an interesting comment, number one, because it's the one C.J. Stroud is making right now mm-hmm. under some different circumstances. because He got to start all of last year. But number two, it's again. I mean, it's no offense to Kyle Cord that Ohio State is better off if he doesn't have to start a game or play early in a game probably this year. But that year two to year three jump is what makes him the quarterback for 2023. It's the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, if we're going to use a Dwayne Haskins example, you know, Dwayne Haskins got minimal reps outside of that Michigan game where he had to come in because JT Barrett got hurt and still turned into what he was because he's three years into the system. So even if he doesn't necessarily have the game reps, he's making up for that by just knowing the offense and basically having the offense mastered because he's been running it behind the scenes for three years. One more break. We're going to come back and talk about the youngest quarterback, youngest scholarship quarterback in this group here on Buckeye Talk. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Devin Brown said that he has already recognized how big of a deal it was to come early as he did come here in the, the winter, the spring, uh, getting weight on and, and just helping get your body ready to, to get on the field. But also a lot of talk about just how fast everything still seems. And and he's been here for seven months now, seven, eight mm-hmm. months. And just this past Saturday, having the scrimmage, he said there were some, his quote was some things got away from me or, or something along those lines that, that things are still just at such a fast pace that even when you're a talented guy, and even if you've started to get accustomed to it, I think the acclimation period, and this goes back to the, the common core conversation because it helps explain why even someone as talented and as accomplished as him as a prospect sometimes isn't ready to go right away because uh, it, it's not just the other quarterbacks that he was playing catch up to. It's just the the speed of college football that you're trying to catch up to. 
Yeah. After re-listening to his interview session, not a lot's changed between now and what was going on in the spring with him. When we got in there to watch that practice, it looked like the speed of the game was getting to him a little bit. Now, granted, Ohio State's offensive line depth is not what it needs to be, especially at tackle. So, like, there, so there are times when it's the third string offensive line going up against JT Tuimaloao and Jack Sawyer, and that's just like that's not the speed of the game. That's like two five star recruits who might pop and go superstar all American mode this year going up against your third stringers and your you know true freshman quarterback. That's not supposed to go well for you. So we'll preview from that, Devin Brown. I think there's literally a picture out there of like JT Tuimaloao pass rushing is Devin Brown. It just doesn't look like it's going to end well for Devin Brown. So we'll preview from that. But yeah, it's I remember having a conversation with somebody over the summer in the program and just like the idea of true freshmen starting at quarterback and why it's actually never a good idea. You know, even with what Trevor Lawrence was was able to do, they didn't just throw him out there from day one. They worked it up, up to that, even if they knew Trevor Lawrence was eventually going to take that job from Kelly Bryant. And this is why Devin Brown is is showing us why it's a different level of speed. And sometimes it it takes a while to get to a point where you're comfortable in that chaos and have enough poise back there. Devin Brown was also talking about some of the same things Kyle McCord was just at a different stage about Mm -hmm. the, the the difference between like anticipating and reacting and how that's sort of, he, he still feels himself reacting too much and that now it's he's starting to get into that place where he's anticipating the throw he needs to make more than um, more than just reacting to what he sees. And he went on along. Someone he was asked about quarterbacks he likes to watch, and he went. He said his Peyton Manning was his favorite quarterback, and that it had to do with his understanding of the game that sort of surpasses being athletically gifted. That obviously Peyton Manning was a very fundamentally sound quarterback. And, you know, had a legacy there or the good genetics there and had physical yeah, four, tools, four. had physical tools. But <laughs> he 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 also just could think the game at a level that a lot of quarterbacks, even good quarterbacks, can't necessarily think it at that level. But then later he was talking about somebody else. And it made me realize an interesting connection because he was talking about how when they're down on the field at practices, and Ryan Day is down there with him. Day can tell him where the ball is supposed to go before it ever gets snapped. Like not knowing what the defense is necessarily going to do. I think it's when they're having, you know, some live periods. And before the ball is even snapped, Day is like telling him like, oh, this is the this is where the throw is going to be. And like that's sort of the same kind of tutelage they're getting within the program with, you know, the the, the things that Devin Brown admires in Peyton Manning. And I'm not saying there's a reason why Ryan Day didn't become Peyton Manning probably, but. that 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 idea of like having that kind of brain at your disposal for a guy like Devin Brown, who does have those physical gifts. We talked about it with CJ Stroud and what it led to him for him last year. And now this is just the next installment. um, I guess it went with McCord too, like the next installment of, of day trying to like infuse as much of his like way of thinking on the field into these guys that have that next level of talent. I think quotes like that are very interesting when you're discussing certain coaches who have a reputation for being very good at something, because it's very easy to just say, oh, all the quarterbacks are coming to Ohio State because their head coach is a quarterback developer. Well, why is he a quarterback developer? Because he like, what is he doing that has these quarterback? Because until Dwayne Haskins happened, 
he there was no proof he was a quarterback developer at the college level. People just believed in it, like Kyle McCord and Jack Miller they just believed in it. So when you hear stuff like that, where it's no, he's not Peyton Manning, but he can he might have the Peyton Manning knowledge. He just doesn't have the Peyton Manning physical talent. And that stuff like that kind of points back to, OK, this is why Ryan Day is getting all these quarterbacks in here is because. When they get here, whether it's on a visit or a camp or whatever it is, he puts them on the board, he puts them in the film room, and he shows them all that stuff that Devin Brown was talking about. And from that point, and then they leave here like, man, this this guy's a genius. I might want to come here. So that 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 with quarterback, with defensive line and wide receiver right now, it's interesting when you hear guys actually talk about what makes these guys so good at developing guys outside of just like, oh, they're sending guys to the NFL. Yeah, Devin Brown said that Ryan Day was showing him clips from like when he was at BC, which I yeah. that's that's been a minute. But the, it was just an example of like all of the just like the breadth of knowledge that that Ryan Day has and how it feels like it's to, to how it seems to him like that the hamster's always turning on the wheel. That's mm-hmm. probably not like not the analogy I want to make. But the, that brain is just always working. That there's always something rolling in there and he can't kind of shut off. Jim Knowles talked about that too, about like, you know, you're always scheming, you're always thinking through, like coming up with plays. And like Ryan Day seems to be just the other side of the brain of that on the offensive side. You asked Corey Dennis some questions today about from uh, just sort of the, the recruiting approach that OSU takes when it is like identifying quarterbacks. What did you find out from him? Yeah, it's just the first time I'm trying to understand, you know, what it is they're looking for at base one, because obviously every quarterback is their own person but there have to be some similar traits that make them an Ohio State quarterback and basically the exact quote was you have to be able to throw the football can he play catch that's one thing that coach day says a lot but there's a ton of uh, there's there's also a ton of things are they competitive what do they do what is their makeup do they love the game you know all that you know love of the football and all that stuff but the, the main thing is that he has to be able to throw the football can he play catch which is almost the other side of what they look for and wide receivers where it's like, if you can't catch the ball, you can't play here. They don't care how fast, which seems like, duh, you play wide receiver, except like we've seen plenty of receivers in the past who are super fast or really good route runners, but they have a lot of drops. And so that's, it's as simple as it's, can he throw the football? That's simple. That's a simple thing to say for a quarterback, but in it's really just more like, can you make all the throws? How much of the offense, especially in the passing game, can we run with you back there? Because if we can't throw it deep, well, then that's something that that's a big part of our offense. We can't play action deep pass. You know, if you can't throw it out on the perimeter, we can't run bubble screens. If you can't throw it over the middle, that takes a lot of the RPOs out of the picture. So I understand like he, he answered it in a simple way. But when you really break it down, it's just more like how much of this offense, if there's 100 passing plays, how many of those 100 passing plays can we run? Is it 80? Is it 20? Because that's a big difference. Obviously, I know there's more than 100 passing plays in this offense for anybody listening. We we talked about this in the context of Stroud a lot last year and that con- that which side of the fence is it? Like, are you getting the guy who's athletically gifted and trying to put the, you know, trying to enhance his brain? Are you taking the guy who thinks the game at the next level and trying to pull his athletic gifts up? And I think without question, it's much easier to do the first thing than the second. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like if the athletic gifts aren't there, then, then at this level for this team, for this program, then you don't have a chance. So 
but it is interesting. I think we're going to probably keep asking questions about that because I don't, I, and I'm glad that you're asking about it and, and looking into that because it is, it, it, it does help like define uh, what they're doing out there, who they're going mm-hmm. to go find, who and what it means when they offer a quarterback, because I don't think they're taking just anybody um, that is highly ranked or whatever. I think they are looking for some very specific attributes, but it's as much as it is the physical thing more than the intellectual thing, they've got to be able to identify the, th- they got to be able to tell that the guy can absorb yeah. the, 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 the intellectual stuff, right? Like there's, it, it, mm-hmm. it has a guy that has to be attainable for that guy. And it's an interesting thing because there's so much about quarterback you don't learn until they're actually live and you can throw them out there. So it is a lot more projecting. But at that position where your head coach is, is that's his, that's what he specializes in. And also Ohio State is getting more and more towards we're not offering guys that we don't think can eventually start here, regardless of their ranking. You do put more of an emphasis on, OK, what exactly are you looking for? Because you're not just saying like, what type of quarterbacks do you recruit? You're asking, what type of starting quarterback do you want? Because those are the only types of guys they're offering. Now, whether they end up winning the job or not, I mean, you're getting five stars in here every single year, so that's a different discussion. But if you're offering that guy at Ohio State, that means you think he can be a starter for you one day. So it's it's as much as it's a recruiting question, it's more of like a a, a, a – it's just as much of a, a X's and O's game planning question for a guy who wants to, you know, develop first round quarterbacks here. That's it for this episode of Buckeye Talk. They run the two minute drill. We just ran the 40 minute drill. Come back Monday, mark it down Monday. If you're a tech subscriber, look for a poll from me. For Stephen Means, for Nathan Baird, that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.